Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. Con Radio, presented by Wizard World. Radio for geeks. When Dr. Frankenstein created the monster, he lost control. Now, the era of monsters has begun. With a robot army at his command, Dr. Frankenstein battles vampires, zombies, werewolves, and monsters. No one is safe. Everything is monstrous. Arthur, I'll be in here. Quiet now, I'm recording. Hello, Tick here. <clears throat> you, my friend, well, if you're an evildoer, cover your ears, because you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast, which is nothing but Keen Spoon! All right, Arthur, you can come out now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candare, a tribute to comics and pop culture right here on Wizard World's Con Radio. I am Jeremy Colley. Jack Doherty. And I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today, we have Greg Wright and Travis McIntyre from MonstrousWorld.com to talk about their Kickstarter running until January 31st, Monstrous, Tales of Valor and Villainy. Thanks for being with us, guys. Thank you. That was a great introduction. I love it. Oh, wow, man. You know how to make a guy feel good, don't you? Only the finest. We got a good episode for you today. Uh, we're going to, in our retro roundtable this week, we're going to be talking about TGIF uh, on ABC in the late 80s, early 90s. A lot of, uh, I want to say crap, but at the same time, good. <laughs> good, crappy good, shows. Yeah. Um, Such a fine line, right? It really is. Structuring very shows. And then we're going to turn our attention over to Greg and Travis and uh, talk about Monstrous, find out what that's about. And then Sal Brucolari uh, from AcesAndEightsPress.com is going to be joining us at the end of the episode to uh, wrap up part two of our comic-making workshop. So let's just get right into it with this week's Retro Roundtable. Here we go! It's Friday night, and the mood is right. We're gonna have some fun, show you how it's done, TGIF. All right, guys, TGIF. Do we have any avid watchers of this through the early 90s, late 80s? Of course, through the 90s. It's rattling around in my head right now. Gonna have some fun, show you how it's done, TGIF. (laughs) Oh, my God, yes. 
God, you are a mutant. I am. I'm a of nature. I belong under a rock. <laughs> we got the perfect person for this yeah. uh, topic. I'm this sorry. Awesome. I didn't realize we were in the presence of greatness tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was awesome. I'm going to put that song in here, too. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> then the end of a Miller Boy at production. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, he knows it better than we do, I think. Maybe yeah. you should be leading this. <laughs> but all the shows that were on uh, TGIF, I'm going to list some of them here. This isn't even the complete list. We had Full House, Sister, Sister, Boy Meets World, Dinosaurs, Baby Talk, Step by Step, Perfect Strangers, Family Matters, <gasps> Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Mr. Belvedere, and Hanging with Mr. Cooper, just to name a few. The most memorable, anyway. There was a few more on that list, like going places, like... Yeah, watching that. The hell was going places? Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys remember that one? No. Yeah. Going places? Yeah. It had Heather Locklear it in it. Okay, I so Heather Locklear, but I don't remember that show. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think the one I remember most is Dinosaurs because of the Jim Henson connection. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. Now let me tell you what; those were some great animatronics for oh, the time. Man. Yeah, they were. They were Seriously amazing. Complex. Yeah. I never missed an episode back in the day. That was like part of my daily ritual. Dinosaurs is on oh, yeah. drop everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a great show. I, I mean, it was uh, kind of like The Simpsons meshed with... Uh, oh, man, I had this worked out earlier. <laughs> yeah, like Roseanne, yeah. yeah. Roseanne, there you go. <laughs> the flannel on Earl. <laughs> it was even kind of like what... Uh, I wanted to say the Honeymooners. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a little oh, bit of that. Yeah. Kind of yeah. had that vibe of, like, mm-hmm. the sort of under-the-rug abuse that's not, like, out in the open yeah. but still a little menacing. <laughs> you know, now that I think about it, I mentioned it was like The Simpsons, but I think on The Simpsons they have referenced how dinosaurs was a rip-off of themselves. Like, they were, they were watching dinosaurs, and it's like, they took our lives and put it right up on TV. <laughs> Would you turn off that rock and rock music? Hey, you don't have a stegosaurus, man. <laughs> <laughs> These talking dinosaurs are more real than most real families on TV. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> Look, Maggie, they have a baby, too. It's like they saw our lives and put it right up on screen. <laughs> that was a good show, though. Watching that show now, it, it, it kind of has an emptiness to it because there's no laugh track uh, in yeah. it. Yeah, I can see that. It was just, you know, just... Uh, there's a little bit of music, but and then the jokes would go by, and you're just left there like, I don't know if I should laugh now. Yeah, because it's so old. Like the laugh on your own, like a sucker. <laughs> <laughs> like a I need someone to tell me when to laugh. You can't laugh in isolation. You just feel <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I'm just sitting here by myself laughing. <laughs> now, do you remember the um, the boss, his boss, the Triceratops that was stuffed yeah. in that trailer? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that dude was intimidating. I think he even like, had a cutout in the roof for his horns to go yeah. through or something. Shoot, I forgot about that's him. That's what it was, wasn't it? BP Richfield? Yes, I think it yeah. was. I don't know how I got that. <laughs> this company, what, obliterated the ecosystem, right? Isn't that how the series went out? <laughs> I don't remember the end of the series. How long did that last? That was only a couple of years, I think. Uh, yeah, I didn't think it was on very long. Yeah, I'm almost certain it ended with like some long ice age that like they brought about with whatever... Manufacturing or mining or something they were involved with, and the whole family huddled together and just patiently waited for death. Really? <laughs> yeah, huh. it was grim, dude. 
it's yeah. I've got to look up a video. It's something. It's this is the whole series is on Netflix. I'm pretty sure. Well, skip right to the end and bring <laughs> a sweater because you're gonna feel cold for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't go with that. I can't see Earl Sinclair and his family's tragic demise as something I would break up about. <laughs> They're dinosaurs. We saw it coming. That's <laughs> true. I never thought of it like that. Oh man. You mean the dinosaurs were killed by an ice age? Oh, shucks. Spoil the ending. <laughs> I thought they were still around, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> They're all in Australia or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Waiting for their careers to get <laughs> <laughs> They've got really bad agents. They've just been off the grid for a while. Well, like, didn't Family Matters end the same way? It was just making <laughs> <laughs> Family Matters actually was a really dark show, though. Like, yeah. before, like, uh, like if you go back to the first season of it, it's, it's funny. It's a weird coincidence that I read an article about Family Matters today that previous to them, like, having Steve Urkel as his breakout star and it becoming, like, that was the show, it was about race relationships with him being a black cop, and it was some pretty heavy stuff. Apparently there was an episode where the daughter gets, uh, they, 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 some kids spray paint the N-word on her locker. Yeah, I remember that. There's some, like, some dark stuff for a yeah. uh, kind of fan-oriented Friday Night sitcom show following Full Pop. Yeah, and then it, it started to tank. And then that's when they, what, season two, they brought Urkel in? Whenever, after that, it was like, we need some, where's Julio White? Bring him in. Yeah. Yeah. And the first episode he's in, he's not funny, like, at all. Like, he's not even the Steve Urkel character that we know. Uh, he, like, he's just this weird character. And you're like, who's this kid? Uh, and then, like, he just turns into this really outspoken, huge character. Yeah, like he hadn't had time to develop yet. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's when I pretty much stopped watching is when he started getting popular because it was just, <laughs> it was too annoying. Yeah, yeah I do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I almost... Yeah, you don't want somebody saying that after somebody wrote a racial epithet on a locker. <laughs> <laughs> on, on that note, like I... I almost feel like a show covering those kinds of subjects, that like the race relations really heavy, that could do well today, but maybe it was kind of a sign of the times that like they couldn't make those bold decisions. They had to bring in the kind of dorky laughs to stay afloat. Yeah, yeah. Well, they don't mix well, I think, you know, talking about, about comedy and then sort of serious issues. I mean, at least in that way. I mean, it's not ideal for that sort of three-camera sitcom format, I don't think. Right. It was a good show, though. I, I mean, I don't remember much of it uh, pre-Steve Urkel. I do remember the episode you just referenced, but um, I, I always thought it was a fun show. I mean, looking back, it's a bit ridiculous, but uh, it was a very Dennis the Menace and uh, Mr. Wilson kind of relationship between Carl and Steve. Yeah. Yeah, and I—I uh, I don't know—I get off on that. Just the way how many times he would irritate him, and it was awesome. Wasn't that a spinoff of Perfect Strangers? It was. Harriet uh, was she ran the, the elevator. She ran the elevator yeah, in Larry's right. building. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was that show or if it was something else on there. Then in the end, you find out it all took place in a snow globe in the mind <laughs> of a child. <laughs> <laughs> That's not vivid imagination about a sass-talking granny. <laughs> You know, I always thought that the granny in um, Family Matters was the inspiration, hard inspiration for the granny in Dinosaurs. I mean, it looks just like her except a dinosaur. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just just put a rubber mask on this lady and get her out there. (laughs) Yeah. I think they took makeup off for her role in Dinosaurs. (laughs) 
<laughs> he took oh, off her makeup and put her in there with a bunch of puppets. Witness my true Man, shape. God rest her soul if she's not with us anymore. <laughs> Oh man, the speaking of full or not full house, damn it, again. <laughs> again with the full house. It's on the brain. Speaking of family matters, and we've touched on this uh, on the show before, that was also the, the missing daughter, Judy, yes. who was sent upstairs and never came down. <laughs> never came down. What happened? The, when the show started, they had an extra daughter. There was, uh, there was Eddie, Laura, Judy. And then, uh, what, Rachel's little girl, little Richie, was it? I don't remember. Or little boy, little to... Richie. They remember. always had him dressed up like Michael Jackson. He had the Jerry curl and was always, you'd know him if you saw him. <laughs> but, um, yeah, in the first few seasons, she's there. But then there's an episode where Carl sends her to her room or something. And it's the exact same thing that happened on Happy Days with, uh, with Richie Cunningham's brother, right? Yeah. They sent him upstairs for something, and he never came back down. Like, was never in the series again. Nobody I want to see the it. show that's about whatever creature is jumping sitcoms to devour these unwanted characters. <laughs> it's Earl Sinclair for dinosaurs. <laughs> the baby. Oh, man. He's grown too powerful. <laughs> the lone survivor of their ice age. like, Cousin Oliver or something like that. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> wants on the show. Man, Cousin Oliver. They should have sent his ass upstairs, yeah. man. I hated Cousin Oliver on the That was the reason bunch. to turn the Brady Bunch off, if Oliver mm-hmm. was on that episode. That, uh, no shit, man. Yep. If, if you saw Cousin Oliver in the opening credits or anywhere around the beginning, it's like, nope. We'll see you next week, Brady's. <laughs> Good time to make a sandwich. Take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> go do my homework. <laughs> I'm going to go do my homework. <laughs> Look, honey, he's doing his homework. Must be another Cousin Oliver episode. Uh, what else do we got here? Uh, you guys remember Baby Talk at all? That one slipped by me. Uh, same here. I, I think it was uh, Look Who's Talking. Exactly. It was in the height of uh, Look Who's Talking fame. They brought Baby Talk to TGIF. And uh, it was a horrible show, but... Yeah, it was the same actor who was on Herman's Head. Like, the the fat, wise-talking guy was the the baby's voice. I do remember that now that you say that. I wish I didn't. I do remember... (laughs) Wasn't the baby's voice... uh, I think, actually, the baby's voice changed through it, but it was Tony Danza, I thought. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of a different show. I think there were multiple shows like that, to be honest with you. Why would there be Right, right, shows? yeah. Why, why make it once, let alone more than once? Yeah, there, there were. I mean, the whole baby talking, like you were saying, Look Who's Talking was such a big hit. Pay like, homage to the cinematic triumph right. that is Look Who's Talking. Imagine babies and they're talking. <laughs> so worthy of that sequel. Every week on TV. But what makes this show uh, worthy of being mentioned is that uh, the super... To the woman, it was a woman who lived alone in an apartment with her baby who could talk, believe it or not. Um, the title delivers right what it promises, baby's wow. talking. But the super in the building was George Clooney. Oh, wow. What? Yeah, no and kidding. He, he rocked a great big feathered mullet, too. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And I'll bet he did rock it, too. Oh, he That's... He rocks everything. Dude, he, he did does. on Roseanne. What's that? He did on Roseanne, too, I think. Who was he on Roseanne? He was. Jackie's boyfriend for a little while, I think. Is that Booker. right? Yeah. 
Really? Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty sure that he was. I think I, I think I remember that. And I think George Clooney with the mullet is just give something for the ladies to hold on to, right? Yeah. <laughs> Still George Clooney. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hold on, you're in for a wild ride. Just powerless against that kind of thing. Yeah, he was Booker. I think he beat around Jackie a couple of times, and Dan was going to whoop his ass on one episode. I would love to see John Goodman <laughs> whoop <laughs> George Clooney's ass. That, that, would that be awesome. makes Oh Brother Where Art Thou like a rematch. Then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would watch the hell out of that. Oh, you and me both. Before we get too far away from it, something I forgot to mention about Carl Winslow. Carl! 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 <laughs> He played a cop in Die Hard too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And maybe in Die Hard Two as well. I think there was even another movie he played a cop in. So I wonder if this was supposed to be all the same character. I don't know. I can't. Oh, there was something he played a cop the in. The world doesn't support that level of perfection on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> too much. Yeah. If he came home one day yeah. and was like. I just had the worst day. Right, so, yeah. What is it, Nakatomi Tower? Yeah, yeah. Shit got real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Carl! Oh, I don't understand! <laughs> Cow! Cow! She sounds like a uh, like a bird or something. <laughs> Cow! Cow! Listen to the beautiful mating call. Cow! <laughs> the cold winter air rings with the sound. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. Uh, what other shows we have here? Oh, there's Full House. I don't know if that's something you're familiar with. I've heard of this show. Yeah, it's kind of a sleeper. Ran under the radar. Yeah, now. yeah. Oh, cut it out. Oh! <laughs> okay, before we go dropping catchphrases here, let's hold that. I got, a, I got a little activity for us here in a little bit, okay? Sorry, go ahead. Full House. When I was younger, I knew it by the title. Hey, where's the remote? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. It's one of those shows that uh, it's you don't know how it made it with the cheese level it had. I mean, it I it was entertaining. I watched it growing up. I loved that show when I was growing yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes me wonder for the new one that's coming out Fuller House if it's going to have <laughs> Is it going to go like hardcore cheese? Like yes. Or if they're going to modernize it at all. They need to go full cheese with it. Like, yeah. that's their strength right now is that they can play on that angle. If they like, do away with that, like, what's the point? Like episode one just being a whole episode devoted to finding out who had their hand in the cookie jar kind of bullshit. <laughs> yes. You know, I don't want to watch that. Crap. Then everyone puts their hands on their hips and cocks their head. Now, what Freeze we frame. told you about telling the I, truth? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Oh, what did I tell you? Keep that shit put away. Keep that put away. Okay, so... I, I just hope it doesn't destroy the canon that I have established for my Kimmy Gibbler fan fiction. So. <laughs> oh. You have Kimmy Gibbler fan fiction? Do you really? No, I don't. I, don't. <laughs> I was like, man, we're going to make this into a Candare exclusive right here. That show had one of the best theme songs. Oh, yeah. Well, that one and uh, the Family Matters theme song... Or the same, written by the same dude and sung by the same dude. Yeah, I don't remember the Family Matters. Well, that's one I didn't listen to. Or did I listen it's to that It's a today? rare condition this day and age. Oh, that's, that yeah, 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 I remember now. That I was beautiful. I just sang that. Right? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. A lot of those... Oh. <laughs> a lot of those shows that had the same same feel to it for the, the theme song. Just like when we were listening to The Perfect Strangers. It, oh, yeah. It's, it's that 80s synth pop. 
Man, that Perfect Strangers theme song makes me feel so high. Like, I, I comfortably jump off the roof listening yeah. to it. Like, I can fly. <laughs> Anything's possible. Yeah. No shit. Oh, my God. What about all the merchandise that came from TGIF? We had Full House dolls. We had the Steve Urkel doll. We had TGIF trading cards. There were songs and albums, board games, handheld tiger games. It just didn't stop. I can't believe all that stuff was there. Was mm-hmm. there was all that stuff? Yeah, you kind of was sad. <laughs> now here's so here's the question from a marketing perspective. I can't think of another time in which so this because this was not marketed as just like oh here's this show and here's this show. The the really neat thing is that this was marketed as a block of program. Yes, yeah, exactly. It was like two or three hours or something. It's like come and watch this whole thing for two hours. Right, and that, I, I, has that ever been done before or even since? I mean, not that well, I can think of. TV, but oh, yeah, that was Friends and Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, but that came after. And yeah, that came after. For TGIF, they actually shot original bumpers uh, between the shows of characters, and each week it would be like, oh, you know, uh, will that happen? Little, little snippets. There was little yeah. snippets, of, yeah. like as if the characters yeah. watched each other. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. There was that's right. Like the cast of a different one of the different shows on TGIF would host that evening's right. event. Yep. So I, I mean, I think from like a marketing standpoint, it's the whole. It's kind of genius. It's kind of dumb. Unless right. there, unless I, I'm, I could be wrong. I mean, maybe in the '60s they did this too. I don't remember. But it seems like this is the first time it was ever like, hey, this is a block of programming. Come watch it. Yeah. And all in it together. That that alone was kind of interesting from a mm. from a marketing standpoint. There really hasn't been anything like it. I mean, I'm sure there's something similar to it out there. CTV was only a few shows. It wasn't like this, which was like four, so like two to three hours worth. Yeah, and they didn't, I mean, they, like they're they're saying, uh, when they marketed TGIF, everything was advertised together. Yeah. Where Friends would get its own commercials, and then Seinfeld would get its own. Sometimes they did their must-see TV uh, commercials, but... I don't know. The level of marketing for TGIF was, I agree, totally out there. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really ever been done like it since that I've seen. I hadn't really thought of it in those terms, but it, yeah. it is kind of brilliant that even if one of those shows starts to lag behind, they kind of support each other. Exactly. It's like this gestalt thing, you know? Right. <laughs> and then, you know, when no one's looking, they put a bullet in that show's head and bring <laughs> yes. the new one in under the radar. <laughs> Just quietly drag it out of the room. What do you think happened to baby talk? <laughs> Say goodbye, Carl Winslow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, let's wrap this segment up here with a little uh, thing I thought we could play here. There's been so many catchphrases phrases come from TGIF, from Step by Step, from Full House, from Family Matters. Do the best you can. And uh, we're going to go around. We're going to go around here and uh, see how long we can go, stay afloat, remembering as many catchphrases as we can. Sound good? This is going to be very hard. Yeah, it's going to get stuck on me. I think maybe. Or, or I can just sit here and remember as many as I can. We <laughs> yeah. could do that, too. <laughs> no. Yeah, are we taking turns? Is it like a drinking game? Anybody, get... anybody just spew them out. It doesn't matter. We just snap it, fingers, it, hit it, your it, lap, it, clap, and then say the word, and it keeps going around in a circle. <laughs> Wait, you two aren't drunk already? Because there's been a clear miscommunication. 
All right, um, I'll kick it off with you're in big trouble, mister. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, let me draw from the threes of catchphrases I remember from this block and say, did I do that? Uh, oh, I know, low-hanging fruit. <laughs> All right, and what we got next? It's not really a catchphrase, but he would be Michelle. Oh, I'd say it's a catchphrase. (laughs) Same thing, same show. Oh, my Lanta. (laughs) We could do just a full house segment of catchphrases. Yeah, cut it out. That's the other one. Oh, yeah. You got it, dude. Oh, God, yes. Well, there's the the dinosaur. Not the the mama. Oh, not the mama. I forgot (laughs) about that one. Anybody got any cheese? God, I'm remembering that. Like the, he used to say that whenever Dad Dinosaur tried to pick him up. That's yes, it, yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was a dad with the mom. It's all coming back to me. I have two small children, and that's basically how I have a Dad has a giant brown shirt wearing dinosaur, but not their mother. And hit over the head with a frying pan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wasn't, uh, how about step by step? Uh, remember Cody who lived in the driveway? Yeah, he was the dumbass. Yeah, yeah whoa, Uncle Frank. Yeah. He always like played a very like Keanu Reeves and Bill and Ted kind of character. Yeah, real surfer, airy. Mm-hmm. Yep. That poor bastard the in real life, like he's going to jail or something, <laughs> no. like beating the shit out of his wife again. Wow, cool guy. <laughs> Living in a van's probably the best thing that could have happened to him. I can't believe that there wasn't. I can't. I, and I used to watch the show too, but the one with uh, Belky, with Bronson Pinchot. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, that's right. Suzanne <laughs> <laughs> Summers talked about the Thigh Master a lot, but I don't know if that's a catchphrase. I always hated how uh, touchy feely her and Patrick Duffy were on the show. Get a room. I cheated. I looked up a bunch of stuff. You bastard. How right. rude. How rude. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. Okay. That's for sale, right? Yeah, that's, that's the, the show. baby said that. Yeah. Oh, I think she said a majority of the full house catchphrases. What else we got? That's, that's uh, a big thing. From Clueless when that was on, mm-hmm. as if. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And something from Boys Boy Meets World, The Feeny Call. I didn't watch that show enough. To I know didn't get that into was. that show. Yeah, no, I was. That was about the time I was starting to think about girls and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, TGIF. I got better things to do. Yeah, yeah. It's a Friday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I was about halfway through TGIF when it hit the 90s. That's when high school started. So, yeah, mm-hmm. Friday nights I was out. I've Steal got... some beers, hang out at the reservoir. <laughs> <laughs> some of my smoke cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to watch TGIF, Mom. Go. <laughs> I've got comic books in my uh, boxes back here from the early '90s, like old uh, Archie label stuff that on the back cover have TGIF like trading card ads and everything. <laughs> And there was, a, there, there was a Steve Urkel song, too, you remember? Do uh, the Urkel. Yeah, hitch yep. up your pants, that's how you do the Urkel dance. <laughs> or, like, hitch them up past your pelvis, you're better than Elvis, or something like that. It's a, it's a less humane alternative to waterboarding. It, yeah, it was like, uh, it was like they saw that the Bartman song in yeah, 89 exactly. had done well. Like, well, we can do the same thing. No, you can't. And all this, all this money and brain power could have been devoted to finding a cure for cancer. <laughs> oh, man, we needed that Urkel song. 
That was a victory for humanity. Oh, All yeah. right, look at the big picture. I'm sure it'll find its way in this episode somewhere. So if you haven't heard the Urkel song, people, prepare yourself. You're about to hear the Urkel song. I think that's uh, enough TGIF. We're running a little bit long here, but that was a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. That was good. Absolutely. And I think next week we ought to do uh, what you were suggesting, TV theme songs, favorite TV theme songs. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. So we'll uh, we'll have fun with that. But right now let's turn our attention over to Greg Wright and Travis McIntyre. Thanks again for being with us today, guys. Thank you, man. Yeah, much appreciated. So, we haven't had much of a chance to check out much of Monstrous. Uh, this was kind of a last-minute thing. Can you tell us about Monstrous, Tales of Valor and Villainy? Absolutely. We got four issues to the series, and each one tells its own separate, self-contained story. They're all set in Frankenstein's Europe. You've got Dr. Frankenstein making his monster. His monster gets out of control, so then Dr. Frankenstein makes some steam-powered robots to try to corral the monster thing, because the monster has gone on to make more monsters. So you've got the scenario like the Wild West, except instead of monsters, it's like Cowboys and Indians, monsters versus robots. Uh, the good guys aren't all that good, the bad guys aren't all that bad, everybody's a little bit monstrous. So uh, they're kind of, each of these individual stories is sort of ripping on that whole Western theme that uh, the plots are kind of paralleling, not really ripping off, but maybe ripping off, I don't know, old John Wayne movies. Uh, and it's a lot of fun, it's goofy, there's fast pace, there's lots of jokes, uh, and there's, you know, a little bit of thrills and chills to it as well. So far it's been very well received. People love this book, they pick it up, they look at it, they get it, uh, you know, they like they understand what's going on. You flip through it and it's just like, wow, this is some gorgeous art uh, by Ken Lava, who is an award-winning artist out of Las Vegas. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. People people love this uh, love this concept, and they love spending time uh, reading these stories. So it's, it's just been a really great and very well-received thing. It looks beautiful, I've got to say. Uh, the video you had up there and all the, uh, the page shots and the covers you had, they were gorgeous. So, I mean, I can't wait to look at it myself. And it looks like you guys are well on your way. I mean, you have, what, 28 days left, I think, and you're almost to your goal. So congrats. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, it's good feeling. Not that it's too late for anyone uh, to still back the project. Uh, did I already say it's run until the 31st? Uh, the, the intro, I think. Maybe I repeat yeah. myself. So tell us about what kind of rewards do you have to people who uh, back your project? Uh, really, this is just kind of, um, in some ways, it's just trying to get the word out there. There's no real risk. The books are all done. They've been printed. <laughs> Uh, so unlike some Kickstarters, it's not like we're taking the money to actually make oh. the product. Uh, in this case, you know, what we're doing is kind of almost like pre-order or pre-sales of the book, uh, which is going to be released one per month starting in February. But this is a way that people can jump ahead 
and they can get all four of the stories right now. So the reward is you can be one of the first people in the entire planet who gets to read the book uh, and have all of the stories all at one time. Do everybody else have to wait for the next four months to be able to get yeah. each one? Everyone's sitting at home with their chin in their hand like ho-hum. Well, I wish I yeah. would put in for the Kickstarter. <laughs> well, you can count me in. At source point, as a sort of a, a different way to use Kickstarter, um, <clears throat> because of what it allows us to, it allow, Kickstarter is really, really good in that it allows us uh, to have a, like a direct connection um, with people who are interested in the in the product in the book. Right. So you know, we we put up uh, you know our production investment and all of that, and we get the books made, and they're going to come out, and they'll they'll be in stores and, and all of that. Um, but we wanted to. The Kickstarter thing is, I mean, and a lot of people are using it very effectively to be like, I need to raise money to make this thing, and and that's great. But we were, we're kind of trying to look at it because you know we're a smaller press, you know, we're not Marvel or DC or, or anywhere close to that that type of level. We're a, we're a smaller press, and we thought, you know, doing something like this could be a really good way for us to kind of be able to connect with an audience um, and offer them a little something extra. To basically, you know, pre-order this book, make our print run a little bit easier on us, you know, so that we can make more stuff. Yeah, a very unique way to use Kickstarter. I've never seen that before. Mm-mm. Nothing like that. That's amazing. I would have never even thought of that. And you couldn't have seen the smile on my face when you described the setting and concept, but there were like 12 teeth that had never seen the light of day <laughs> up until that point. So this is something I'm going to have to get on board with immediately. Oh, yeah, it's it's just one of those ideas that, uh, I mean, you would never think of yourself, but it's just... It's out there, like, in a great way. I love it. I like mean, Greg it. was on before, and he was like, steampunk robots, giant monsters, and western. Yeah. We were sold instantly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it is, it is so much fun. And, and, and what you're saying is exactly how people, they, something in there, it touches a part of your brain, and then people are like, oh, I'm, I'm on this wavelength. I get where you're going with this. And they're like, sign me up. And that's, that's, that's a good feeling to connect with those people and say, like, look, we're speaking the same language. Stuff that you think is cool is the same stuff I think is cool, and that's a really cool feeling to get that relationship with people. So, how uh, how soon do you see then the people who don't back the project? How long do they have to wait? Did you say four months? Yeah, uh, four months, five months. Is it? I think it's five months. Uh, the f- issue one releases uh, mid February. Uh, issue two releases mid March and then April, and then uh, so issue four will release in May, and then two months after that, the trade. Collection, but you know, collected edition with a little bit of some extra stuff will come out um, after that. I see. So yeah, basically the Kickstarter, but all the books are done. They're all you know in our warehouse. They're ready to be distributed. Um, and the Kickstarter just gives us a chance to be like, hey, we've got this thing. It's gonna come out. Um, you know, you can get on board with it directly right now. Get all the books right now, and and kind of deal with us directly. It, it's we're trying to sort of see if Kickstarter and other crowdfunding platforms for that matter can become a viable distribution method um, if people will get on board with that as opposed to, you know, the, the whole idea of like, okay, I need $8,000 to make a forestry comic series. Well, right. they get on board with, you know, because it's like, it takes that or that much or more. But, you know, will people get on board with, um, you know, instead of giving me that up front and I'll give you the product, how about just buy it? Just buy the thing. <laughs> right. That would be great. 
So and we're kind of trying to, to, to leverage it as a, as a distribution option. Like you can get it early, you can get extra stuff, you can get um, you know, all four issues and Greg will write you um, a piece of flash, flash fiction based on a prompt that you give them. So I was just gonna ask about that. Personalized piece of uh, hack fiction. Yeah, yeah. It could even be TGIF themed if people want. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Who wouldn't want that? Respect the classics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so Judy gets sent upstairs, and it's kind of a flowers in the attic type scenario. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is great. I love this kind of banter. This is awesome. This is amazing. That's why we do this show, right? All right, guys. Well, I want to thank you so much for uh, coming on to talk about the project. Again, that's running till January 31st on Kickstarter. And also, you guys can uh, check out the project at monsters, excuse me, monstrousworld.com. Now, does uh, Monstrous have a Twitter handle or anything like that? Uh, no, but you can follow SourcePoint Press. They have a Twitter. Travis McIntyre is under his own name, and I am under my own name, Greg Wright. Uh, my handle is Greg Henchman. Uh, mine is uh, at Team McIntyre One. Um, you know, feel free to follow. You can also check out SourcePoint Press by going to uh, SourcePointPress.com. You can see everything that we do and all the other books that we do. I think the the new version of the website should be up within the next 48 hours or so. Um, uh, yeah, let's see. We're on Twitter at SourcePT Press. Uh, we're on Facebook. All that stuff. We have tons of tons of new books. We have a really busy 2016. Um, and we're always looking at new submissions. So if anybody listening is into horror comics or, or prose for that matter, we do horror, science fiction, um, occult, supernatural type stuff, uh, submissions at swordprintstuff.com. We are uh, we're always looking. We can contest. There's a lot of good stuff at yeah. Source, uh, Source Point Press. So, As a guy who is into, in order, science fiction, horror, and the occult, just go ahead and keep doing what you're doing <laughs> as a personal favor to me. <laughs> Yeah, we got to show you some of the, there's a lot of there's a lot of great stuff coming yeah. from those guys. I love the whole uh, there's like a tight knit comic community in Michigan. I think yes, you guys are based in Michigan, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. What was it like? M I C E, like the Michigan Independent Comic. Independent that's it. Yeah, that's actually um, there's a whole bunch of people. There's the Michigan Comics Collective, which um, I'm a co-founder of. Uh, the Michigan Independent Comics Enthusiasts, uh, the guy who was the founder of that is one of my partners at SourcePoint. Um, and then, uh, and that's also Gary Reed, who is editor-in-chief and owner of Caliber Comics, which of course is where Dead World is published and The Crow and uh, wow. things like that. So it's, it, <clears throat> in my humble opinion, um, having been all over the country at different conventions and, and whatnot, um, being a creator of, of comics here, strangely, is it's it's an incredibly supportive community. Um, it's it's really cool. I mean, it's it's good people. We're really friendly. We love to talk to people at cons. Come up and, and talk to us and shoot Travis an email. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. It's it's a great place, Michigan. You know the whole like tri-state areas as just full of awesome people doing awesome stuff and everybody's really supportive of everybody else um it's really nice i mean it's it's i mean for 50 years the comics epicenter was new york city you know mm -hmm. and now dc moved out of new york end of last year and they're in la now and now it's like 
it's kind of started to break that up a little bit and now it's kind of like the midwest is starting to emerge is like there's a ton of really good small and medium-sized presses that are based here now you know yeah. and that talent here is starting to get noticed and getting books put out and getting nationwide distribution all this all these kind of you know big boy stuff is happening so it's really really cool and it's it's amazing to see because uh, you know growing up in the '90s reading comics, it's something you would have never imagined would happen. Would be the culture would be uh, so widely embraced. Sure. So that's awesome. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for being with us today, and uh, look forward to having you guys back on anytime you want to be back. Uh, if you want to talk more about Monstrous with us uh, later down the road or any other project. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. It was really fun. Thanks for the opportunity. It was great yeah. talking. Oh, you too. We had a blast. Love the TGIF talk, too. That was, that was a blast. Couldn't have done it without you guys. Thanks, guys. All right. And now, returning this week to the show is Sal Brooklary. Thanks for being with us, Sal. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> I, am, I am spectacular. How are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, we have Sal back doing uh, part two of our comic making workshop. And uh, last week, what we talked about was, uh, or what Sal talked about rather, is uh, how to one get an idea, and two how you know what to look for when you're looking for your artist, the person to bring your vision to life. So, having found all that stuff, next step would probably be uh, finding the funding for the project. Would that be right, or? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, once you figure out your collaboration and you know that you and uh, the artist you've chosen to work on your project will be a good collaboration, the next thing is definitely, um, I would say it's even length and then comes funding. Um, so, like, you know, how long do you want the project to be? Because that is a question you should always ask uh, prior to funding. It's, you know, is this going to be an eight-page comic? Is it going to be uh, a, a one-shot, you know, 20 to 24 pages? Or do I want to do a miniseries? So, um, I mean, if you want to maybe uh, pick one of those, and then you'll decide on your funding. Um, so maybe for the sake of, of this exercise here, maybe we could just say you're doing a one-shot, 24-page comic. Uh, unless you guys want to do, like, say it's a miniseries, whatever you guys want to say, um, we can use that example and, and run with it. So what would you rather uh, go with? Uh, miniseries, I'd say. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You want to think long-term on yeah. these things, probably. Okay, so cool, miniseries. So we'll do, we'll say four four issues. Um, say it's each pa- each comic is, you know, 20 to 24 pages. Um, are we going to say colored or black and white? That's a very key uh, question when worried about budgeting. Um, and once you can figure out if you're going to do black and white or color, that um, obviously should have been decided when you come up with your collaborator um i assume being that uh everybody has their own taste um maybe for this exercise do you guys want to go with colored comic absolutely okay cool so colored comics so the first thing you'll do is you get your collaborator so you have your artist you have your artist you have your color you have your letter um so and it, i mean i don't know if you're gonna do an editor some people like to edit themselves some people like to have the letterer who's an, also an editor um so it, it really depends on, on you know, do you have a friend who's going to edit it for you? Uh, and when I say edit it, I don't mean your script. I mean the actual, like, the lettering of the comic. So when you see, like, the bubbles, you'll need to decide. But let's just say you're going to do 
you know, an editor, uh, say your penciler knows how to ink just for the sake of making it easy. And so that's one person. And let's just say that your colorist also knows how to letter. So there's a, it's a two, it's a three person collaboration. It's you, it's your letterer and it's your letterer colorer, I should say. And then it's your, um, your penciler inker. So it's a, a three man project. So based on what you're going to do, uh, let's say the arrangement is going to cost you, let's say they're $75 total. So your your pencil or anchor is $50 and your color or letterist is $25. That's a little cheap. Uh, you know, make it 100 Then Make it easy. They're both 50 bucks. You got to pay them both 50 bucks per page. All right? So that'll help us budget. Um, when you do a comic, obviously, uh, you're paying for every page of art created. Uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but say you're doing a 24 page comic, that is actually 27 pages of art. Um, Cause you gotta do the cover, so that's one. You gotta do your credit page, which is in the beginning of your book, and you have to do your back cover, right? Uh, and if you're gonna do an inside back cover, uh, let's just say you're not, say you have an ad in there. Um, so funding, right there off the bat, you know that each issue is going to cost you $2,700. Uh, so a four-issue miniseries, it's going to be a little expensive. Um, right. This is if you... Now, I'm talking like you're getting somebody who is a higher caliber artist. Now, we can go with an art team of $50. That's fine. I mean, if you'd like to do that to keep it simpler, uh, we could do that. It all depends. Like, the, the, the more you pay for your artist is going to be the, the more the project is going to, um, you know, look professional. Um, you know, so if you want to backtrack and just say, hey, look, my whole I have one guy. He does all this work. Um, he does the art. He does the, the pencils, inks, letters, colors, uh, everything. Uh, he's fifty dollars. So if you want, we could we could say it's fifty dollars um, and just say you're doing 20 page comic to make it easy. So that's a thousand pages. That's a, you know, a thousand two hundred three hundred book bucks a book. So each book is thirteen hundred bucks. You're going to do four. Right. Uh, is that, so is that, a thousand yeah. of them. For well, hopefully. Um, that's why I said. That's why I said. Are we gonna do one issue or four issues? Because I'm. I'm I was already thinking about the back end. Um, so let's just say it's thirteen hundred bucks, and you know, out of the thirteen hundred bucks, um, you know, you are gonna do four issues, right? So four and and thirteen hundred bucks. That's four. Let me do the math on my calculator because I do math all day and I don't feel like doing math right now. <laughs> one second. Uh, Okay, so it's fifty-two hundred dollars, right? There you go. Um, now you can turn to crowdfunding. You can, maybe you have money and you're gonna fund the whole thing. Um, I know that's not the case with most writers, um, and that's not the case with myself either. So maybe you turn to Kickstarter. Uh, you could turn to Kickstarter, Indiegogo, or any other crowdfunding platform. If you're not familiar with crowdfunding, crowdfunding platforms, what that's going to do is going to help build your audience. Um, you really should have a built-in audience when you go to a crowdfunding uh, source because you should have at least a good like 50 people that you know will put out some money for you. You're not going to attract people you've never met before uh, to your Kickstarter. Um, I, that's sorry to burst the bubble of a lot of people who think they are, but they're not. <laughs> so many, so many people say, "Oh, well, Penny Arcade raised so much money." 
well penny arcade's been around forever and you know yeah. so and so artist did this yeah well you know who he was before he went to kickstarter um you know so you have a guy like i think greg pack he did he you know he is world-class writer he did a kickstarter he he raised like i don't know like a thousand times what he was looking for that's because he's greg pack so he's you know you can't a lot of people try to compare themselves to the bigger comics, um, but you can't do that. You have to do the smaller comics. Um, and that's why I say each Kickstarter should represent one issue of comic. Your art team is going to cost you $1,300. Now you got to print the books. Uh, there's a lot of good print-on-demand services. Um, personally, uh, this is free advertisement. I use um, Greco Printing. Um, they are awesome uh they're based out of georgia uh they're a small shop they don't really focus on on comics though they do a lot of books and banners and t-shirts and stuff that's i guess that's what their cash cow and comics is like what they do on the side but i've been working with them for about three years uh so a colored book of 20 pages is going to cost you around 265 right so that's two dollars and 65 cents a comic minimum order 25 that's, so that's a bad. lot of books. Yeah. That's a lot of books, right? But now, if you want to get to that range of, uh, you know, 500 copies, just 1,000 copies, then you should go to a different source. Um, there's a lot of good outsourcing at Alibaba.com. Uh, you do have to pay for shipping. Uh, one um, domestic uh, thing you can do, domestic meaning U.S., um, is uh, a source called Print Ninja. Uh, they're really cool. Actually, you can go to printninja.com free advertisement again and uh <laughs> you go to their site and you could actually uh send away for a package you just fill out information say you know what you're interested in doing uh you ask for a free package and they'll send you a free package with all the kind of comics that they uh publish so actually a lot of idw stuff comes in from print ninja so you'll see like you know idw gi joe you know issue whatever and that grade of comic now each comic has different type of paper obviously you want your stuff to feel real so you want to go with you know, and when I say real, I mean you don't want to be holding like construction paper as your comic. Like, <laughs> like you want like legit comic. Made um, it <laughs> exactly. See, personally, me, um, I like the I like the cardstock uh, covers for indie books, uh, especially like my stuff, only because it lasts longer and it can take a beating from going in my trunk, out of my trunk, in my trunk, out of my trunk when I go to cons. Um, uh, just it's in a box and I keep them, you know, sturdy, but. The inner paper is also, it's not glossy. It's more of a flat. Um, again, I, I like that. Uh, that's my personal, you know, what I like. If you're thinking about what kind of paper the paper feels like, if you ever held a copy of Image Comics East of West, um, the inner pages actually feel like East of West, uh, those pages. So if you've ever felt that, that's what it is. So that's your source. So let's just say you decided you want to print 500 copies of your first issue. That's going to be from, you know, Greco, it's going to be pretty expensive. Uh, but if you go to Print Ninja, they're going to be a lot cheaper. So I think it's like a $1.20 an issue. Um, so that's how much it's going to cost you. So you got a dollar twenty an issue. So that's about another 600 bucks with shipping, right? So you got $600. Um, roundabout so plus your 1300 so you're basically at two thousand dollars right give or take don't forget though when you do one of these crowdfunding things you also have to actually ship the book 
to people, which a lot of people forget. You actually have right. to ship this book. And if they're from all over the world, you need to ship it to them from all over the world. So I can do like I had my Kickstarter for Soulman number one, which was successful. And um, that's a mini series as well. But we only came out with the first one. Um, we we raised uh, a little over two thousand dollars. We were looking for around, we were looking for sixteen hundred, um, and I included uh, the the shipping uh, to everybody because I knew I, I work in shipping, so I kind of understand how shipping works. So if you want to ship one comic uh, from the East Coast to the West Coast, so, so let's just say New Jersey to California, it's going to cost you around it's going to cost you around two eighty seven, right, uh, for that one book. So what I did. Uh, was I did my minimum my minimum order for a print copy was was ten dollars I know it's a little expensive um, but I gave a sticker I gave a poster I gave the digital uh, copies of issues one and two and I did the the hard you know the hard book um, and the reason I did that was I, I needed to boost what I was giving and I needed to give you a reason to give me ten dollars we didn't make Honestly, there was no profit off of the Kickstarter. The Kickstarter uh, basically funded my, my printing of issue one. It funded my printing of my variant copy of issue one, which was actually one of my number one um, sellers on the Kickstarter. A lot of people were into the variant. So that's another thing to get into. Uh, if you want to get a variant artist, they're going to cost you a little more money, maybe like, I don't know, about $200. But if you can get, if you can somehow get somebody who's a little more expensive, their art style is a little more clean. You, you print out about a hundred copies. You can, that's where you're going to make your money back because it's going to be about, you know, X amount of dollars. Uh, so it's going to be like 250 a copy to print, 265 a copy. But you're going to sell that variant at a higher price so that your markup is higher. So you make your money back. Now you're in, you're in Kickstarter and you're trying to get people, you know, you've got all these great ideas. You can do all the stuff. Don't do t shirts. Nobody gives a shit about your t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the truth. Nobody cares about your t shirt. What I noticed, um, I actually sold out in my $100. Um, posters. I did, I did uh, posters of. I did you for the Kickstarter. We did you and a friend, or just you, um, as a, as a demon or as a soul, and that was a that was a hundred dollars, um, and that was that sold out in like, I think it sold out in like three days. No um, kidding. Yeah, that one was gone, and then I had the fifty dollar uh, portrait shot, um, which was you as a zombie or a soul. On a zombie, as a ghost or a soul, and um, that sold out. And then I had sketches. Sketches didn't really sell out, so I don't recommend sketches. Would you but I do say recommend. The, the, I'm sorry. But oh, go ahead. Would you say that the the personalization aspect like that is that a good angle to go yes. down? Is that that's something that really brings a lot of attention? Absolutely. Um, that will go down. And then I have uh, uh, somebody, one of my backers. Uh, I gave away uh, one slot to be an associate producer of the book. So associate producer, that was a high dollar value. Um, that reward was $500. Um, we had somebody, uh, Jay Magnum, he's the official associate producer. What he got was he got uh, $500, you know, for $500 he got to be an associate producer of the book. Um, so he gets uh, an, a professional comic credit. Um, which he could take anywhere and show people, hey, look, I was a producer. Uh, we, we showed him, you know, what we do and how we do it. 
on top of that um he got his own 25 issue uh, or it's a 10 issue run of i have to use 15 for something else uh we did a 10 copy run of his own comic so it's his comic he came up with the plot for soul men and we did a, a special one-off edition of soul men with his plot so he gave me he gave me i told him give me three choices we'll choose the one we want to use um which he did and he's getting his personalized um soul men copy based off of his plot i can see uh, the appeal of that that's pretty yeah, awesome that is awesome yeah he plotted it and like i said we just we're actually almost this is taking the longest um and the reason it's taking the longest is you know back and forth him talking to him getting the the stuff on top of that other projects we're working on um so everybody has gotten their stuff and if they haven't and you're listening to this please contact me um because i've sent out everything to everybody um so you got to do like that's crowdfunding another way you could do it is you can find an associate producer you can if you have contacts and you know people a little bit of money um maybe you can get somebody in on the deal where you say hey listen i i need somebody to help me out and what i need is this and maybe somebody's gonna pay you'll say listen i'll pay for the artist you pay for my print run or you pay for the artist i'll pay the for the print run and you cut them in so you cut them in on some kind of um you know, whatever you make, they get a percentage. And that's a cool way to do it, too. That's a little more rare because not everybody, you know, knows somebody with, you know, $2,000 to just give away. Um, though, you know, if you can get a group of people, um, one idea that I, I think that works, I read this somewhere, uh, so I'm not making this up. Somebody, you know, he knew that um, his birthday was coming and he knew his birthday happened to be around Christmas time and he figured people would get him gifts and he told everybody that he knew he's like don't give me a gift like give me cash everybody come together and, and everybody just get whatever you would spend on me put that in an envelope don't tell me who it's from just say all this money's from all of us and he took that money to fund a comic so huh. he I think with that money he was able to do a 12 page comic so his family and friends all put their money together because they're going to give him a gift anyway and what's the difference of getting a $60 video game or whatever he's going to get or just get the $60 from 10 people that's 600 bucks right there wow I wish I had 10 friends (laughs) (laughs) that would give me gifts too (laughs) right Um, I know that's one way to do it I mean it's a matter of what are you going to do another thing you could do which um, I know a lot of people do this that that write comics is they look at their paycheck they look at their means they look at their bills Uh, they make another um, check you know whatever their check is Uh, they make another bill and they write this check out or they take this money and they bill themselves for their comic fund. So mm. whether it's $40 a paycheck or, you know, $50, $20, whatever it is, $10, you bill yourself. And every time you bill yourself, you take that money and you put it to the side. Um, and eventually you could, you know, fund whatever you're looking to fund. It's going to take you a while. Um, but, you know, that's another way. If you're going to do the Kickstarter, you're going to need your friends because here's the thing. You want to get your Kickstarter uh, about 25 to 35% funded in the first two days. I wouldn't even tell everybody in the world about it until you can get it about 35. I waited until I was, I was 50% funded in my first week. Um, so when I hit 50%, then I started the call to action to people I didn't know. So I went to Reddit. I went to um, Twitter. I went to 
other artists' uh, pages. Um, and you don't want to say, hey, give me money. You got to interact with people and you got to put the time in. You know, you could talk to people and, and don't just hound. Nobody wants, nobody likes a hound. Don't just talk to somebody on Facebook because you're, you were, you sat next to them in math class in college or high school or whatever. Like, those people aren't going to give you money and you're wasting your time. You need to reach out. And one thing that I did was I sent people, you know, five, the first five pages of Soulman. I said, hey, look, check this out. Let me know what you think. And then if somebody said, oh, it's cool or, oh, no response or whatever. They said, it's cool. Like, hey, you know, uh, you know, check this out then. Check this link out. Say, listen, I'm doing this thing. Um, if you think this is good and you want to know where the story is going, I'd love to see you participate in my Kickstarter. Now, um, you never want to say donate to Kickstarter. This is like fourth wall breaking stuff with Kickstarter. A lot of people say, hey, donate, help my cause. It doesn't sound right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think I've said that quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> We've been hit like that with some Kickstarter but before. Hey, check it out. Send us some money. Yeah, that's they you don't spam, do that. They spam you their could Twitter tell, accounts. I would say take this for free. Tell me what you think. I also tell people, hey, look, this is my webcomics Unix Tuesday, which is absolutely free. That is what really helped me a lot was my webcomic. I give it away for free. A lot of people who read that came on over to Soulman. Um, and they, we've been giving it away for free for so long that at this point they wanted to help us, which is is was really nice. It was really cool to see people say, "Hey, I read, I read See You Next Tuesday," because um, you know we like to see our. We can't interact with our our viewers if they're not interacting with us because we don't right. know who they are. So that, that was another way that helped us. But once we hit that fifty percent, we contacted people that we knew and we said, "Check these five pages out." I'm going to tell you right now. You'll probably get 30% feedback out of the 100% you've sent out. People are busy. They don't really care about your cause because they have their own causes. But for that 30%, they'll help you. And you never want to say, hey, give me your money. Say, I'd love to see you participate in this. And they say, well, how can I participate? You, you, list, you list three options. You say, first option, you know, if you'd post something really nice on your social media accounts uh, about it with a link, I'd really appreciate it. Your second call to action could be, um, hey, if, if you know somebody, can you get me in contact with somebody who you know that likes comic books? I'd love to talk to them. And your third call to action is, you know, if you'd like to participate, here's a link um, and, and you can, you know, see what you want to do from there. See, I never didn't say give me. And the third one, I didn't say give me money. I said participate in your wallet. Yeah, I asked people to participate. I said, if you'd like to participate, please. uh, How many times did I just say participate? Um, (laughs) If you'd like to check it out, let me know what you think. And then just by giving them that open endedness and saying, do what you want, um, I was able to get, you know, some funding. And luckily, uh, we we went way over our, our I didn't expect it. We were 121% funded. So that was Kickstarter. But thing is, I had the built-in audience from, from See You Next Tuesday. Um, I have a pretty decent support system of friends and family who are willing to help out to my cause. And that 50% helped bring in so many more people. Like I've only, I, I was talking about this with a bunch of friends, but I only know personally, like have had lunch with people, 18, no, what was it? 
no, it was 18. No, it was 13. It was 13. 13 of my backers are people that I knew. I had like 30-something backers. Everyone else, I didn't know who they were. Um, I never met, you know, my associate producer, Jay Magnum. I never met him. I didn't meet a lot of these people. We were on there. <laughs> you guys were on there. Well, I met you guys. You guys were on there. Yes, you were. Um, and whoever else was there. And that's where... It came in and it was really awesome to see all these people who actually gave a shit. You know, as far as that goes, that was the issue one. Now, don't forget, the beginning of this exercise, we talked about a miniseries. We're still talking about a miniseries. You still have to do three more issues. So that was all that work was for one issue. Oh, wow. Yeah. Remember, that's what we just did. Right. Because that was the beginning. You guys said a miniseries. Mm -hmm. So all that work went to one issue. Um, another way you could do it if you want to do your miniseries I would recommend this um, now this is where my business sense kind of comes in you want to do a miniseries uh, let's just say we're not going to print each floppy so you're going to take your miniseries of four 20 page comics you have the same thing $1,300 a copy I would recommend you can do a Kickstarter PDF so everybody gets a PDF but you actually print the graphic novel for people who want to trade paperback of it. Oh, there you go. So now a trade will cost through Greco under a hundred page, no, under 120 pages. A trade will cost you under $10. That's $110 for under 120 page book. Now that you're going to have to mark up to maybe 20, 25 bucks. Yeah. So you mark that up the reward again. You're not making you you're not going to make a profit on Kickstarter. Anybody looking to make a profit on Kickstarter, stop. Because here's the thing. You hit your goal. Once you hit your goal, oh, you think it's good. Your goal is just funding what you did. Now, if you get more backers, you're not making money. You're just getting more responsibilities. Every backer is a responsibility. Every backer is another product you need to produce once you go further than your goal. If I plan to do 100 copies and, oh, shit, 101 people bought it, I need to jump. I can't just get 101 copies. I might have to jump to 125 because a printer is not going to do an odd number like 101. Mm, So now that just made my project more expensive. Once you hit that 101, now you got to push to get the next 24 people or the next 20 people. Then you get a 26th, and you're like, oh, yeah, then you got to go to 50. <laughs> right. So Damn people it. say, oh, you, you're, you're not going to make money off of, of, of Kickstarter. Uh, it's, it's, there's no profit there. It's very good to get your name out, though. It's very good to, you know, get a book and say, look, I completed this. Um, another idea that I actually had a few months ago, and I actually might pursue this. Um, is if you did an issue one as a web comic, so you mm-hmm. give it away for free, here's your issue one, then maybe your issue two you do as a Kickstarter. Oh, because you now you, you build your audience for issue one of, of let's just say it's a 24-page comic, you're going to do 24 weeks, 24 weeks is one page a week, right? So you do the one page a week, you build your audience on that web comic, and you, you have 24 weeks of promoting then when you hit a, around week 15, it's, hey, look, we're going to run a Kickstarter for issue two on the 24th week when the last page comes out. So if, so you, if last... you think you're strong enough to be able to stand on your own two feet early on, you want to you wanna hold on to that Kickstarter till a little later maybe? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I, I was a part of a Kickstarter Ninja Baseball, man, which um, 
was successful and I was just a writer. I was a work for hire on it. Um, I did some promoting, but a lot of promoting came from the creator uh, and that was successful as well. But that was thanks to him. He pushed, he did all the work. Um, so my audience really, I started See You Next Tuesday in December of 2012, right? I came out with Soul Men, the Kickstarter in May of 2015. So I built my audience on See You Next Tuesday. And then I brought my audience over to Soul Men. So it took me two years to build an audience. And then finally, I was able to, to you know, pull them in. And even then, this here's the thing. 2015, I had uh, 6,200, yeah, it's like 6,200 and something individual users come on to seenexttoos.com, my webcomic. Wow. All those people read that book, read that. And I consistently get around uh, 500 people a month. So let me ask you a question. All these people read that for free. Where were they during the Kickstarter? Maybe they didn't like Soulman. Maybe they don't have the money to support Soulman. So even if you have a built-in audience, that doesn't mean everybody's coming over. So that's another like misconception is, oh, well, you have this audience and they're going to help you. They're, they're, it, it, there's nothing is, nothing is positive. There's nothing that is guaranteed when it comes to people's wallets. You know, us comic readers, we're joined together as, you know, we're not, I, I would say a majority of comic readers are not making, you know, six figures a year. We'll be lucky if we could make 50 grand a year. Oh, speak for yourself. <laughs> Clearly, we have somebody from Silicon Valley on the line. <laughs> but no, but true story, like we're, we're spending our hard-earned money, whether it's, you know, you know, 15 bucks a week or whatever it is 60 bucks a month on comics on on a seven minute form of media right so truth it's really hard to guarantee that people are going to spend their five dollars on your reward for your kickstarter if they can take that five dollars and get two issues of walking dead so that, that's, I mean, Walking Dead cover price is like two fifty right now. So is that right? Man. I think so. It's like two fifty or three dollars, something like that. I think that's it's three brutal. bucks actually. Yeah. So it's hard. Um, so you have to figure out your way to do it. Is it building an audience and then trying to do it? Um, so my new web comic that I mentioned last week is uh, it's called Dad's Answers, and it's at I have dadsanswers.tumblr.com. I actually have a donate button on it for anybody who is interested just to see if I have that audience, you know, who I can bring in and just, you know, give a few bucks. And I hate the word donate, but I can't change PayPal. I don't know how to do that. You could change it to a participate button. I would love it. I would love it. (laughs) That'd be awesome. But yeah, so, I mean, as far as funding goes, it's hard and nobody's going to give you the right answer. And, And somebody whose way might not work for you, but your way might not work for somebody else. So that's why I always say, you know, a a creator starting off shouldn't give his best idea out of the gates. He should have some good ideas and maybe start off with a, you know, a one issue thing that he puts on Kickstarter or she puts on Kickstarter that they, you know, you know, is going to cost you no more than 1500 bucks with, you know, art especially art and make sure that you're not going to print more than $500 worth of merchandise and then just do a $2,000 kickstarter that's going to cover your shipping and all your stuff and take it from there 
but should somebody's first project ever be a Kickstarter? I don't I don't think so. I don't think that's gonna help you. No. That's just my opinion, um, based on facts. Right. Yeah, you you've gotta have an audience to uh go to the Kickstarter before you wanna start the Kickstarter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean another thing you could do is if you don't wanna do Kickstarter and you wanna just get funded, make a make a comic, uh put it on a, a web comic. You know, and have, you know, sell each individual page as a background to a computer. Sell each, sell the print of each individual page. You can go to Staples and get a uh, 8 by 11 you know, bordered white because the comic page is not 8 by 11 um, bordered white. And you can, you get charged like, a, like I think it's 79 cents for a colored print glossy. You mean, make a web comic, say every page is for sale and have a store page where they can buy a page, sell it at five bucks. You made, you know, 400% markup. Wow. That's something you could do. And people are willing to buy it because then they have a nice little piece for five bucks in their house that they could, you know, put up wherever they want to do. Um, that's another way to monetize uh, something is make a web comic, sell every individual page, make a web comic. And when it's all done, sell the whole thing. Uh, you can, again, with just sticking on the web comics, you can make a web comic, have the pages done, start promoting the web comic on day one. Say, hey, if you don't want to wait, buy it now. And then you could buy the, the printed copy or the PDF copy. Oh, of it. that's a good idea. <clears throat> Why not? Right. You yeah. Just buy, it, buy it right now. So you have it all done already. You know it's done. You have the physical book. That's actually something I'll be doing um, later on this year is, is with another project I have is um, I'm going to come out with it now and say, buy it now. Because now you spent the money, right? You, you spent your, your money and you're printing on demand at that point. So you could do 25 copies. When, you lo- when you're done with that, go back to your printer, get another 25 copies and keep it nice and small. There you go. There's a bunch of ways you could do. It. Another thing you could do is, if you don't want to print, get your book on Comicsology. It's Comicsology submit is is that's where Aces and Ace Press we put we put all our stuff up, and it's all on Comicsology submit. Um, it's a little hard if you don't know how to work um, PDF uh, books, if you know how to formulate uh, PDF books the way they want it. But they do have how to do it if you have Photoshop and stuff. So that's really. You know that's going to help you, and there that's promoting. But the, the thing I always say is, it's very hard to tell somebody to buy your comic when you don't want to show them because you want them to buy it. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, hey, look at this. Well, is it good? Yeah. Look at the first three pages. Yeah, but is it good? Like, yeah, I wrote it. Just buy it. Like, <laughs> it Quit asking questions yes. and give me your money. Exactly. So. That's why I'm very big. I'm very big into the web comic medium. Like that's where I. I mean, I nobody knows who the fuck I am, but the people who do know, uh, they know from my web comic, and and that's what helped build any following that I have. All twelve people. Well, that's awesome, man. What so more, more that's my advice. suggestion. Yeah, that's my suggestion on on funding. It's you have to figure out: is it crowdfunding? Is it a web comic? Is it just suck it up and save money to to do it? Th- those are going to be probably your three options. <laughs> Whatever I'm doing, clearly it's, it's 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 working. Oh, I don't think it's working, but <laughs> oh, I would we'll say see. so. I mean, you've got uh, like you said, you're a successful web comic and soul man, and uh, there's a print right over here on the desk. It looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and that's actually that's Greco printing right there. Like you say, it, it will hold up. Right. I made sure that I, I like the, the the stock covers, especially for 
you know and you never know what you're gonna get when you buy independent comics luckily um i found a really good printer who is and they're top notch over there um the owner is anthony he's awesome and um he's always made himself available to me which was always really appreciated like i'm really appreciative we put large orders in for mesa's and h press and um they're they're really good uh you have any other questions about um funding i don't think i do i uh i think you really covered all bases and things i wasn't even thinking about (laughs) (laughs) well like no don't don't apologize that's good i mean it's good to be experience i guess just again like i know a lot of people like oh i wanted to do a web comic but I'm telling you, putting your stuff out there for free and then charging after, you think they're not, people aren't going to buy it, but they do. Like, see you next Tuesday is completely free. But I go, and I tell people when I go to conventions, this is free online, but they still buy the hard copies that I have with me. Right. You know, and uh, I'm waiting to get my numbers. Anyway, I'm absolutely willing to, to share my numbers. I don't really care about sharing numbers so i'll be willing to share my numbers to you guys uh when i get the statement from comiXology on on see you next tuesday just to tell you i mean I, like i said i give it away for free on um on on comiXology i'm not free on comiXology free on my website but i'm charging a dollar an issue on comiXology yeah that's so nothing. <laughs> We'll see. I mean, right? Because if, in theory, if I have six thousand unique people coming to the website a year for the year of twenty fifteen, maybe one or two of them will buy from Comicsology, or maybe somebody from Comicsology will buy issue one. See it inside the book. It says you can read it for free on this website. So maybe <laughs> somebody buys buys issue one, and then all of a sudden I see it completely drop off because everybody went to the website. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. All I know is that. Um, my most successful month was actually the month of December. That was the month that issue four came. No, four, no three. That was the that was the week that issue three came out on um, Comicsology for See you Next Tuesday, and that was my highest spike on the website ever. That was the only month um, we had we had the best numbers we had ever was uh, 985 people wow. uh, that month. Um, didn't hit the damn thousand mark. Uh, <laughs> but we had 985 people in the month of December. So we got really lucky there. And that was the third issue of... of uh, and I noticed the spike was actually on the day that it came out. So I know the two... I know, I know there was a correlation because... And that's another thing that you have to see is like, you know, correlations of if I do this, will this happen? Or if I give it away for free, how many could I sell? And honestly, I know it sounds crazy, especially for writers who are working hard for their money at their day job so they can, you know, achieve their dream of making a comic. But I really, really recommend, um, you know, a, a web comic. And there's a lot of free places I recommend, uh, you know, if, if you have a couple extra bucks, do it through um, WordPress uh, on the you know the comic uh, web comic uh, template. If you don't you know you don't really want to spend too much money, you just want to you know get it out there for free. Tumblr is fantastic. There's a Tumblr where there's a Tumblr web comic uh, template which is awesome. That's what I use for um, Dad's answers, and that's really good. And if you really want to go the extra mile and spend twenty five dollars a year, you can buy the domain for it, and then you can it'll just say you know yourcomic.com, and it's going to be powered by Tumblr. Oh, very nice. So, I mean, and then I've seen people do like, I've seen people actually dedicate Instagram pages to webcomics. 
So like they just post one Instagram page. I mean, it it's all depends on you know how do you, what works for you. What are you most comfortable with? What are you most savvy with? And be, and who's your audience? Don't be tough on Instagram. You have to do like one panel per. Well, per here's post. what yeah. I here's what I saw, and I thought this is one of the most unique things I ever saw. Um, this guy does a small web strip in the like peanuts or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. He does th- every week is is um, every strip is three panels. He posts them backwards. So when you post them backwards on your Instagram page, they show forwards. Oh. So he does panel he posts panel three, panel two, panel one. And that and if you look at just his page, it makes perfect sense from left to right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can I understand what you mean. It's like the people that post many pieces of a picture and then when you look in like all their pictures in a row, it makes one big picture. Yeah. Kinda like the Rick and Morty yeah. Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, kind of like that, exactly. So when I saw that, I was like, huh. I was like, that's one of the most unique things I saw. I might have to steal that. Um, (laughs) I might have to steal that for dad's answers. But I think that was, like, so smart because he broke it up. And now when you look at his Instagram page, you don't even need to click each thing because you can kind of see it. And it's like, wow. And then you'll click it to read it. Obviously, you're not going to read that. But, again, there's so many different ways and so unique. It's just a great time to be in comics to see – all this you know creativeness just taking over but um i mean the funding comes just at first you have to establish who you are and why people should care right and once you can establish that like that's gonna to see if you know is what you have a are you able to say if you can sell as an independent person not on a, a huge you know publisher um if you can sell 150 200 copies of one single issue you did pretty good right you you did good if you can sell 100 copies and i'm talking whether it's pdf pdf and hard copy combined 200 copies that's really really good for somebody starting off not knowing what they're doing right like that's excellent like i I I would clap for that person. I'm just um, you know it's 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 hard, and as long as you don't go into comics thinking that you're gonna quit your day job, you'll have fun. If you if you stress over it, um, if you stress over trying to make money, or you know, I I think the 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 goal when you're you need to define your goal, and once you define your, I think I talked about that last week, but once you define your goal and you say what do you want from comics, then maybe that'll help you. Great advice, and uh, you know it's good advice because of uh, all the success you've had. So that's that's awesome, man. I want to uh, thank you though for taking the time this week and last to uh, give us all this great advice. And if anyone out there has any further questions, feel free to reach out to the show or to Sal himself on Twitter. What's your handle on Twitter again, Sal V B? Yes, sir. S A L V E Y B. So yeah, hit us up with any questions or um, anything else you think we should have touched on uh, you want to hear about. Yeah, and if you want to contact me privately, uh, you could just go to salbrookalary.com. There you go. Sal, thanks so much, man. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Jack, what do we got on the website? We got our show blog with our show notes, our video page, episode guide, contact us page. Oh, God. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the one to go to. Send us emails through that one. <laughs> Don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. Uh, our YouTube page, of course. 
no new projects to announce, thank God. The Hall, Hall of Heroes on the website, too. Oh, yeah, Hall of Heroes. Yeah, check that out. It looks, mm-hmm. uh, Jack gave it a really awesome sweet makeover. <laughs> so, yeah, check it out. And uh, is there anything else? Uh, keep listening to Con Radio. A lot of other good, great shows on Con Radio to check out. Uh, so be sure you check them out. Uh, Con Smash is probably one of my favorites. Uh, Modern Geek Show. Modern Geek Show is a good show, yeah. Yeah, it's a I great like show. So, uh, But just to name a few. So check out some of the other great shows on Con Radio. And uh, until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Jake Runyon. And I am Sal Brooklary. I got it this week, guys. <laughs> <You did. laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. you come over here and spray paint your name on the wall but i don't wanna what are you chicken hold on there boys wow it's flint instead of writing your name write candairpodcast.com and help spread the word well that's a great idea now we know and knowing is half the battle gi joe all right great episode great episode Oh, okay. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.